You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Sicario, Day of the Soldado. I know who you are. You're the attorney whose family they killed. Not they. My father. And now you hunt them. There's proof the cartel helped the terrorists get to the border. The president's adding drug cartels to the list of terrorist organizations. You can understand how that will expand our ability to combat them. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Dirty is exactly why you're here. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Everyone. No rules this time. start a war between the Mexican cartels. Not with the Mexican government. This girl was witness to the mission, correct? Yes, sir. We can't risk her falling into the wrong hands. Clean the scene. They want me to cut ties. You gotta get rid of her. I can't do that. Don't put me in that situation. You gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna need a strike team to Blackhawks. Drones with attack capability. Where's the coup? Mexico. You have no reason to trust me. But trusting me is how you're gonna survive. Good luck. Luck doesn't live on this side of the border. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Sicario, Day of the Sedato. And the story is as follows. FBI agent Matt Graver calls on mysterious operative Alejandro Gillick when Mexican drug cartels start to smuggle terrorists across the U.S. border. The war escalates even further when Alejandro kidnaps a top kingpin's daughter to deliberately increase the tensions. When the young girl is seen as collateral damage, the two men will determine her fate as they question everything that they are fighting for. The film is starring Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, Isabella Moner, Jeffrey Donovan, Manuel Garcia Rolfo, and Catherine Keener. It is directed by Stefano Salima and written by Taylor Sheridan. Joining me for this review, I have Danilo Castro. How's it going, everybody? Uh, it's going all right. Um... <laughs> I, you know, listen, I'm still reeling from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and yeah. I rewatched Sicario 1 before heading into this, mm-hmm. and I had high hopes, Danilo. Uh-oh. I had high hopes. And I think for this review, I think I'm going to have to play dirty. I think you're going to have to cut me loose. <laughs> there are no rules this time. I'm excited. <laughs> I definitely think that Sicario Day of the Sedato is a pointless sequel and an unnecessary one, an offensive one, a boring one, 
I'll start off with those thoughts. Okay. <laughs> and I will <laughs> ask you, what was your take on the first Sicario, and what did you ultimately think of the, what is like one of the worst titles also of the year, by the way, Day of the Soldado. I know. Soldado was such a great just one word title as a sequel when they originally announced it. Yeah. Day of the Soldado is such a it just doesn't roll off the tongue at all. I, I still actually don't even know what it means because I don't think this, the word soldado is mentioned once in the entire film. Soldado is like soldier, and they mention it briefly towards the a pivotal scene towards the end when the guy mentions, you know, you got to do this to be a soldier. But then he says you got to be a, you got to do this to be a Sicario right after, so it kind of contradicts its own logic. Oh God. Well, that's that's Taylor Sheridan writing for you. If it sounds cool, who cares about logic? <laughs> I liked. I also rewatched the first Sicario very recently um, for our, uh, throwback review, and I liked it a lot. Um, I, I liked it when it first came out. Uh, every time I see it, I kind of pick up nice little nuances uh, in the direction and in the writing. I think while Taylor Sheridan's writing might be a little on the nose sometimes and. Maybe a little, you know. Uh, Luck don't live on this side of the border. <laughs> I think it, I think it works really well in the first Sicario. Um, I think the performances help it out a lot. With this one, though, based on the trailer and based on the artwork, I can't say my expectations were that high. I was, I was. It looked like an unnecessary sequel, like you said. It looked like like a cheesy sequel. It looked like much lower stakes. Uh, narratively as well as like artistically. There's no Denny Villeneuve. There's no Emily Blunt. There's no Roger Deakins. There's no Johan Johansson, God rest his soul. And for some reason, they still carried on with this movie. I think I would assume at least that Sheridan's involvement was what helped get this made. They probably felt a little bit of confidence like well we have the writer i suppose but I, i've come to the conclusion now that taylor sheridan's writing is very inconsistent extremely yeah it's like it's it's finally like become clear and some people were able to pick up on it pretty early on it's taken me a little bit longer but i finally have come to the conclusion that okay like sicario for example it's a it's an okay screenplay. It's got problems. Like mm-hmm. the, the character Kate Mazer that uh, Emily Blunt plays is, you know, the biggest problem of all, and that's Taylor Sheridan's sure. like I would say number one flaw is that he does not know how to write women. And I think I think the fact that that's the case, I agree with you. I think the fact that that's not so much prevalent in Hell or High Water is part of the reason why that's his best screenplay yeah i mean i don't know if you feel that way no no no, i was gonna say then hell or high water comes out and it is his best screenplay because it avoids all of the things that uh his other films have failed at and then wind river was like a average screenplay that wasn't great it was just it was okay like it was good enough you know yeah it was a decent decent film yeah and now we get to this and this is just bad this is just like plain, plain, plain bad. And I've really just come to the conclusion that whatever he does next, I think it's going to be make or break for him in terms of 
his reputation uh, kind of now coming to fruition and people finally starting to realize if he really is this hack writer who we overpraised way too early. If if the next thing he writes or writes and directs, I guess, depending on what he chooses to do, if it's as bad or worse than this, is this an M. Night Shyamalan instance of like a what the hell happened? Um, I, I No, because there are those who will claim that Sicario is a great screenplay. Wind River is a great screenplay. Hell or High Water is a great screenplay. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, maybe we're being a little bit more harsh. I guess. I don't think anyone's going to really do that for this screenplay, though. No, no. No one's going to be <laughs> defending, I don't think, this. Um, I, You know, it, the big, the biggest issue is that it, it lives in the shadow of the first film. Yeah. That is the biggest problem. Because they borrow just enough elements to try and tie it together. You know, they like they reuse Johan Johansson's track, The Beast, uh, throughout the movie and mm. they also try to get a similar look even though they're using a different cinematographer this time around they're using Darius Wolski uh, you have Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro reprising their roles from the first film but the issue like there for example like with Benicio and Josh Brolin reprising their roles like some people were trying to tell me oh like they get to expand their characters more and we learn more about them the only thing that we learn about Alejandro in this movie is that his daughter was death yeah it's the only thing we learn about him the only thing everything else Benicio del Toro still brings like the quietly reserved stoic mysterious brooding persona that he had in the first film and it actually makes him in this one when i think we're supposed to see him open up a little bit more because he's traveling with this little girl that's supposed to remind him of his daughter we're supposed to like connect with him more his performance like puts up a wall where we're still not able to do it you know what i mean yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think him being used so sparingly in the first film and kind of having Emily Blunt and everybody kind of, you know, what's this guy all about helped. It, it, I was going to say, it actually made us, I think, put him up on a pedestal even. Yeah, yeah, he seemed kind of like like a mythic, untouchable kind of character. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then on this one, he's front and center, and it's like, oh, he's not, he's, he's really not all that interesting. <laughs> yeah, especially towards the end of the film. I don't know how specifically we're going to get into the end, but... It, it made you see his character in a much less, I guess, admirable light. Not that he's a good person, but just the coolness factor was, I think, diminished a lot. And I don't think to the benefit of the story. Yeah, I would say that, too. And then, you know, I'm hoping that we'd learn a little bit more about Josh Brolin's character, uh, Matt Graver, in this. Yeah. And that's another example where, other than focusing on his mission... I, I didn't feel like we got any real character revealing moments. I really didn't feel so much the I, I mean, I guess they they try they try a little bit with the bond between him and Alejandro. Mm-hmm. Like he and that's the thing too, this movie has like really bad force comedy. <laughs> like when he goes to his apartment and he's like, Don't shoot me, I'm sitting on your on your couch in your living room or and then he yeah. sees him and he's like, Oh, you're gonna be easy to shop for at Christmas. Ha ha ha. You know, it's like because <laughs> there's no furniture in the apartment. It's it, I don't know. It's just It did it seemed it felt like 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 Sicario the T V series or something. And it just the stakes are so much lower. And they're, they're they're just exploring things about the characters and giving us things about the characters that we didn't really care to see. No. We see both Brolin and uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, like, 
much more uh, in situations where they're not in control. And I, I guess that could have been interesting, but I feel like the way they're executed, once again, it's just like, it, it just takes away some of the luster of how intimidating they were in the first one. Yeah, because in the first film, they felt very much in control and it made yeah. them more badass. Where in this one, they have plans, they try to execute them, things go wrong. Next thing you know, Alejandro ends up with this girl. The movie becomes Logan all of a sudden, or tries to be. And <laughs> I was thinking Logan as well. Josh Brolin is having to deal with Catherine Keener, who's wasted in this My movie. My God, she never came back. Wasted. She had like two scenes. Yep. Matthew Modine's in this. Did you know that? No, I didn't know until until they cut to him giving a press conference in the film. Exactly. And it's like wasted. Yeah. Here's another here's another thing. You have Jeffrey Donovan in this movie. We know Jeffrey Donovan. He's been in a ton of yep. a ton of movies before. And he was even in the first one. And you figure, oh, they have a chance to explore this this character that we didn't really get a chance to like kind of do anything with in the first film. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. No character development. Zero. Nada. No. And I would actually say that not only that, but it like undoes some of the, the internal logic that the first one set up. Like, how specifically can we get, can we discuss the plot? Yeah, let's get specific. I, I don't care. Listen, people that are listening to this at this point, I think they know <laughs> maybe to skip this one, check it out later, or, you know, I, I don't care. Just <laughs> You've really thrown in the towel on this one. I, huh? like, I, like I said... I'm I'm turning it loose. <laughs> I was going to say the 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 conflict that drives the last half of the film, let's say, is that Del Toro's character doesn't want to kill the girl that they've kidnapped. And she's the daughter of a cartel boss. And he Brolin's like you have to do it and Del Toro says no. Now, doesn't that undo the 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 ruthlessness the, that he showed in the, the first, first film? film yeah where he shot the guy's kids yeah i mean that was more of like an eye for an eye thing because i guess that crime boss was directly responsible for the death of his daughter where this new cartel kingpin is that guy's boss and there's oh, like kind yeah. of a they, they kind of explain that in a line don't they yeah they kinda, basically i don't feel like it was enough uh, also too i'm and i'm really sorry but this little girl yeah like, I don't know what Sheridan is thinking t- in terms of getting us to empathize with her because he sets her up to be like a sniveling, entitled little brat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's getting in fights at school. She's intimidating the guy at the school, <laughs> like saying, my daddy will kill you if you expel me, like essentially. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to get emotionally invested in this relationship that she develops with Alejandro. I I don't understand what the in was for that other than, oh, you remind me of my daughter. Yeah. But like this girl, I'm sorry, maybe not worth the trouble. Sorry, Alejandro. (laughs) It it felt, it did feel very, uh, very artificial just for the sake of the narrative. And then they set up almost, I felt like when they come across that family that's deaf and they're like hiding out with them mm-hmm. and, and she's like she's sitting with them i was wondering if they were gonna go maybe like she's starting to see like the damage that what her father does throughout the country but that never comes back around either no not she at all really have any sort of payoff or any sort of like character development 
the other, the other thing too that also like displays lazy writing in this movie is they borrow the same storytelling uh, device they used in the first film where they have the not so directly related, but don't worry, this is going to tie in together at the end parallel oh, storyline. Oh, in man. the first film, it was the dirty cop who was a good yeah. family man for his son and his wife. In this Oof. film, it's this kid. What's his name? Miguel? I think so. I don't remember. Right? I don't even know because they just do a really, really shitty job of like kind of showing these events and it breaks the story up. It breaks the momentum. I don't really, once again, know why I should care. And what's really infuriating, it's so, this is so infuriating. And like we were saying before, this film doesn't like obey its own logic. They try to show this kid get kind of caught up in like the cartel um, gangs at a lower at a lower level you know he's like only mm-hmm. 16 years old and it's really unusual because it's kind of thrust upon him almost like like this is just a way of life yeah there really isn't a decision so much to be made um and when he does like me and I remember like thinking to myself oh he took the money that was it. That was the decision. Once you take the money, you're in it, man. You're in the life. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's over. Now it just snowballs from here. You know what I mean? And as yeah. a result of which, sure enough, things start escalating and he starts getting more work, more responsibility, starts doing more things. And I'm saying to myself, like, when did this kid have any agency to be able to make a choice? And I started to, like, get this overriding sense then that Taylor Sheridan – um, is not interested in presenting black and white or even morally gray. He honestly just portrays Mexico as purely black and it's just dark and grim and it's terrible and there's no bright shining light anywhere. And like I, I I'm like ama- I'm amazed at how insensitive. That's that's a good word. I'm I'm amazed yeah. at how insensitive he is. You know, to portray an entire people, like every walk of life, no matter who you are, you're somehow involved in this. And sure, it, it was it was it it was really infuriating. I agree. I, I think, I mean, especially you know, being Hispanic myself, I, I felt like at least with the subplot in the first Sicario, there there was showing a little bit more of a conflict. Obviously, the the corrupt cop was a, a father. And he took his son out to play soccer, and there was a whole thing about the son playing the soccer, and there was it was a little bit more. Right. With this one, you're right. It's just pure like, I felt like the the kid, he was they, they set him up in the first scene. They show him with like the mother and like his siblings, and he seems like a smart kid and like a thoughtful kid. But they never even really have him register a moment of like uh like doubt or or confusion over what he's doing it's just like once he gets the money at that in that that second scene he's just like a he's just like a scowling punk the whole time yeah like there's no there's no conflict i felt like that a little bit of conflict would have done wonders for that especially because it feels like this subplot is is given more screen time and it feels more intrusive Mm -hmm. with what's going on well, here's the problem with introducing conflict into it, and I guess this is kind of displayed later on in the third act. The minute you try to go against the wishes or express any kind of doubt or hesitation or anything like that, you're 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 dead. Yeah. And the whole storyline would have been over. And 
like I said, it's very it's very grim, it's very dark, but I I just don't see the humanity. I don't see the reasoning. We're in the first Sicario. It was presenting a complex issue. It was showing that there were soldiers on both sides of the issue, casualties on both sides of the issue, and it did leave it open-ended because of course, you know, there is no end to this. It, you know, it, mm-hmm. you know, so as a result, um I thought it was more contemplative in how it explored those themes, where in this one, it feels like Sheridan has just lost all hope for humanity and for our relationships uh, with the Mexican government, the Mexican people. <laughs> it like it, it just is so unrelentlessly grim. I mean, and not to mention too, like even the first uh, act of the movie, so inconsistent, so confusing for I don't know what reason oh we go to somalia for a little bit yeah like there's a isis like terrorist uh, um attack or or it's made to look like it maybe it's homegrown terrorism i i have no idea i don't really remember those scenes were surprisingly brutal especially to open the film and to not really have a payoff mm-hmm. narratively yeah but that's what i'm saying is like if you're gonna show if you're gonna show people self-detonating bombs on themselves and taking women and children with with them in the process, like you better have some sort of a payoff, and there is none. No, and it's just being relentlessly, like I said, brutal for the sake of it. Yeah, it it did feel like it felt like Sheridan was was. Maybe he rewatched the first Sicario and was like, the first scene has a lot of violence, couple explosions, some shocking images. Like, what can I do to like top that? But the problem was. The opening scene in the first Sicario is a, is a, is character motivation for Emily Blunt's character. Right here, it's so peripheral to what Brolin is doing and Benicio del Toro that it doesn't. It just feels like, oh, just to grab our attention, and it's lazy. And Bro- Brolin then is uh, made to look like a like I said, not a nice guy in his scene where he's yeah. interrogating the Somalian guy. It's really hard to connect to any of these characters. It's really it hard. It is. I, I, I just want to say one other thing about this this kid. Like I was saying before, the film tries to have it both ways then, where in the third act, the kid does a terrible thing. Yeah. A really terrible thing. And it's shocking. For a moment, I sat in my seat and I was just like, oh, oh, okay. Now, did you did you when that happened, did you like it? I was confused. So I didn't know if I liked it or not. Okay. Um, But then, you know, he's then riding with his friends in the car, and then he makes another decision after that. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, all right, there's the attempt at showing, like, some sort of humanity there. Um, Yeah. But then I stopped myself, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, no. You know, a good deed like that doesn't wash out what you just did. Like... Oh, and I started like getting like you know, moral conflict with myself over how upsetting this all was to me. And then on top of all of that, we find out there's a time jump then later on in the film that it didn't mean a damn thing anyway. Nope. Nope. The, and then ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, the film just doesn't obey its own logic of what it's trying to say. Like it's it's morally confusing. It is. It is, but it I felt like where at least the first Sicario, uh, I would say, was morally complex. And you're right. You pick you the perfect phrase. This one's just morally confusing. And there's nothing really intellectual or thought-provoking to pull from that. No. 
No, not at all. It's just mean-spirited. Did you have any positives about it, about the movie? Like, anything good to say about it? I'm trying to think. I wrote down a couple things. I'm hoping they're not all negative. I thought the set pieces, like, from, you know, like, I thought the, the, um... The hand, I, I guess you could call it the handoff sequence where they're driving through the dirt road with the convoy. Yeah, yeah, that was good. You're right. As far as like an action set piece goes, I thought that was well executed. Yeah. And um, well, I would say the narrative is a mess and to the character's motivations are a mess. There were a couple lines that I thought were pretty good. There were a couple nice little brief exchanges where it's like, oh, there's a little bit of that Taylor Sheridan from Hello, Highwater. Or, you know, he, he still has kind of some of those turns of phrases are pretty nice. Um I think it's just, unfortunately, it's buried within the muck that this narrative is. So they're harder to pull out than than they should be. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like this screenplay was like a first draft. Yeah. And and it's like, like you said, character motivations are not focused. The, the moral of the story is not focused. The ideas are there, but this, it almost feels like the screenplay needed another pass through by Sheridan to try and you know yeah really bring it to to light because i mean i i i don't know how they i don't know i i don't understand how people are praising this movie too that's the other thing that's boggling my mind i mean it's pretty mixed i'm not sure what the rotten tomato score is but I've, I've, all the the critical response i've seen uh, on a review basis has been pretty negative yeah i mean I, I but there were some people um i think when it first initially screened that were praising it pretty heavily mm-hmm and I, I just don't know what they what they saw. I was really going. I, I know you you'd mentioned uh, before I had seen it that you weren't too crazy about it. And I was going into it like maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something. And I kept giving it, you know, I, maybe maybe that's OK. I can get past this. But at a certain point, it just got mentally exhausting to do that. And the ending, which you kind of spoke a little bit to, is so the moment where the, where the, 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 the kid does something horrible. I thought, oh, that's I didn't expect that. That could be interesting, but it's almost immediately canceled out by what follows. Yeah, exactly. And it just feels cheap. It's just, yeah. And then and then from there, it's just, it's almost like a really, really cheesy, like, hook into what would be, I guess, hypothetically a third film. Oh, God, help us all. Because I've seen, I've seen interviews where, where Sheridan's talking about uh, a, a possible third Sicario film. I mean, there has to be, right? Sicario Trace. Oh boy! Let's see if we can come up with a worse title, right? Yeah, basically, that's that. that was my goal there. <laughs> oh. Sicario Trace. Fuck yeah! This movie, Jesus. I, I mean, where before I was all for a sequel to Sicario. Now, if they, even even if Emily Blunt, if they got her to come back, I, I I would not be, I would not be excited. I would have never have guessed that. The same guy who wrote Sicario wrote this. No, no. This feels like a totally different... It feels like the studio like retained the rights and got brought in a new writer, new director, yeah. new everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I also, like I said before, I also think that Benicio and Josh Brolin do a good job of keeping the movie somewhat interesting because of the strength and charisma of their performances. But the writing fails them. It does. It does, unfortunately. I th- and I really like... They don't have that many scenes together. They have good chemistry together. Um, they have a good track record of films together. But but they're, they're kept apart for so long. I don't know if it's to, again, artificially create some drama. But I thought there could have been more pulled from that, especially given how little 
else there was to kind of poke around with. The other thing, too, is in a never-ending war where it's, you know, you're never going to... Well, I guess the whole idea is in the third film, they are going to, at some point, get the uh, kingpin, who, you know, Carlos mm-hmm. uh, Reyes. Yeah. I, I suppose. <laughs> but even if they do that, the fact that this war on drugs, you know, will never end, it will forever continue... I, I like I don't know how you could tell a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end then. You know what I mean? It almost seems like this would be destined to go on forever. Yeah. And and it's almost like it's scary to think that, that maybe is their their thought process. Oh, we can just make more movies of these and oh, keep making God. more money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and it's it's a shame because I thought the the the, the first film kind of ended on that bittersweet note of the of, of the the little boy playing soccer in Mexico and then stopping to hear the, the the gunshots and then resuming the game it was a nice way of not only kind of showing that there was decency on that side but the fact that life goes on exactly even though these wars go on and it was a nice little profound kind of cap to it i i 100 percent agree now you're right now it opens up a whole can of worms of like how do you end this exactly i i, I want also really quick i want to ask you a question actually yeah a- as a hispanic person were you offended watching this movie you know, it's funny, watching the film, big Hispanic audience, um, I don't usually take kind of stock of things like that, but it, it jumped out to me when I when I went and sat down. Well, it is Benicio, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a star. Yeah, yeah, but it's just disappointing because it, where I feel like the first one had something thoughtful to say, this one feels very much like almost a video game version of sicario where it's it's the stereotypes it's the shoot 'em ups it's the 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 frightening atmosphere and i thought you know being able to pull in that audience being able to pull in uh, uh that market you could have done something a lot more so i i'm more disappointed i would say than offended yeah um, I, I can't say I can't sit here and pretend that there weren't things I enjoyed about the film. You know, some of the action, some of the some of the the scenes between Brolin and Del Toro and stuff like that. But but it is disappointing because it feels like a huge squandered opportunity. So I would say that. Yeah, I I, I really thought it was just a nasty film. You know, like yeah, it was mean. It, it felt mean spirited. It really did. It did, and it, you know, weirdly, that's not. I didn't think I was going to walk away with that being such a, a flaw, given that I thought Sheridan handled the Native American culture decently in Wind River. Yeah, no, yeah. I thought there were, I thought, you know, I thought I felt like at least there was an attempt, and I thought there was a, 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 a sympathized view. This one felt a little more like, ah, what the hell. Yeah, it almost felt like he like took pen to paper and he's like, they're all to blame, you know? And it's yeah. like, like, like that's the subtext of everything, you know? Yeah, so I don't know. I You know, I really like Sheridan. I like Sheridan when he's on his game. I think he's great. I think he's kind of the last of a dying breed when it comes to writing real kind of tough, thoughtful, uh, I guess, man's man films, which is kind of, I feel like... a. a, a you know, not the thing you're supposed to champion these days. But I think he does a good job at writing those films when he's on. And when he's off, it just kind of proves why they don't make them as much anymore. So it's a it's a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, it's just got a lot of, like, machoism to it and a lot of posturing and, you know, 
Yeah. It's it's very it's very in your face. It it appeals to the male dem it appeals to the male demographic. And I have to believe that is why, especially like on the internet and stuff, he's elevated to such like a high status because there's yeah. so many guys that are just championing this guy writer who hasn't convinced us that he can write a single compelling female character whatsoever. Um and now handles, you know, race in a very yeah. oh yeah in wind river yeah uh, well i mean in wind river it felt more balanced but here it's just like like i said something something just about this whole screenplay in general something felt off i feel like and again i i, I like when he's on and i think that there is a place you know if he if he doesn't write good female characters then maybe he shouldn't try to write central female characters and just focus on making men's films hell or high water style where it's you know specifically men's casts but he has to do it to a certain quality that that i think it's fair to hold him to given what he's shown us in the past and he doesn't do it with soldado yeah i mean write what you know i suppose right i mean that's what everybody is taught when you're writing i would like to see him push himself creatively that's what i'd like to see now would you like to see him do that with the next project or would you like to see him kind of come back to a good base and kind of solidify himself because right now he feels shaky no i'd rather him not resort to what he was doing before i want to see him try something that i haven't seen from him yet okay because to me that'll be the true sign of whether or not if he really is as good as so many people think he is Mm mm-hmm and I'll admit, like, I praised Hell or High Water. I praised aspects of Wind River and Sicario, you know, so I definitely was a part of that. But it's all starting to kind of become clear now. And this movie was the knock on the door that said, hey, I've been here the whole time. Yeah. You know, and that, that you know, me being here being Taylor Sheridan's flaws. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now, and now we're, we've just been introduced and, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I've heard about you, flaws. <laughs> oh, well, now now I'm very much aware of you, and now yeah. I'm kind of honing in, and I'm looking at his next work with a much harsher critical eye. Now, now I'll recognize you guys when I see you. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I... I uh... Oh, he's a great writer. Is he? He might be, he might be a little one-dimensional. Is he? I think he's good at this point. Oh, Hello Highwater is such a, a a good story. It's not groundbreaking, but it's really well told. Yeah, well, let's see if he makes another good story. <laughs> I know, I know. I guess I just I have that in my head. It's it's the potential, I guess, that I'm I'm banking on. Oh yeah, no, no, the potential is there. Everyone's got the potential to do better. Yeah. The question is, Willie, you know, and how many and how many passes are we willing to give? That's true. Have you heard anything about Yellowstone, that show he's currently doing with uh, Kevin Costner? Yeah, I heard it's got the same issues as his movies, and I've heard it's also <laughs> not that really, really that good. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to he's he's got to he's got to do some looking in the mirror. No, he's got to do something different. That that's what he's got to do. He's got to <laughs> do something that he hasn't done he's gotta, before. He's got to reassess what's going on. I'm telling you, because if he keeps going back to the well, that water's gonna go bad. It's gonna be it's gonna be hell or bad water. <laughs> You know, oh god! If his career goes south, that's going to be a great title to like a profile on him. Yeah. What's your What's your grade out of ten, Danilo? My grade out of ten, I'm going to give it. I'm trying to think of like perspective wise what I gave like Solo, because that was another movie I didn't like. I'm going to give this one a five out of ten. What? Okay, so you're stuck in the middle. You don't know which way to lean. You know. Oh, I think I ended up giving Solo a four, if I remember correctly. Uh, and you like this more than Solo? 
I think so. I think I think I could take this a little more seriously as a film than Solo. Um, huge flaws. Definitely a big uh, step down from the first one. But oh, there were still a couple things in there that I ended up enjoying. You know, I think he just needs to 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 keep those little pieces and just fix everything else. So I'm gonna give it a five. That's still that's still a failing grade. <sighs> um, and then Oscar potential. Oh God, what? <laughs> there, there's Oscar potential. <laughs> Screenplay, easy. Yeah, right. Schrader, Schrader's gonna have some uh, competition. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm uh, sure. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any Oscar potential for this. No. One. Everybody who got nominated for Oscars last time didn't work on this one, so that's never a good sign. No. Oh Jesus. How about you? Um, I'm much lower than you. I'm like a three out of ten. I just think it's a bad movie. Uh, I, I don't think it's one of the worst movies I'll see this year or one of the worst movies of all time, but it's a bad movie. Yeah. And that's why the th- it gets the three from me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the reasons that I said before, you know, lack of character development, uh, a complete annihilation of some existing characters, character development doesn't follow its own logic. I mean... What else can we like say about it to give it, you know, a redeemable quality? I mean, Wolski is no Deacons, but at least it is shot well. It is. So I'll give him that. Salima, Stefano Salima does a good, good enough job of trying to create tension and doing good action set pieces. But that's the thing, though. It's not like great, like what Denis Villeneuve was able to bring to the first film. It's just good like it to me it almost felt like i was watching an episode of television honestly i didn't feel like i was watching yeah. a movie i felt like i was watching a set piece or a scene that was part of you know an episode of television that i watch on something like hbo like a like a bad true detective season oh there you go <laughs> yep. yeah <laughs> i think i read that somewhere that somebody said sicario 2 is the equivalent of true detective season 2 <laughs> i i think the the it's disappointing because when I look back on it, the moments that I did like were like the, 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 like, I'm trying to think of even how to word it. Like the lowest common denominator moments we knew we would get, which is Brolin and Benicio kicking ass and a couple cool action scenes. And that's like, we knew we were going to get that at the very least. The problem is there wasn't much on top of that. The bar was low. The the bar was low. Yeah. I don't shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I didn't hate it as much as you because I think my expectations were a lot lower. I came out with a slightly more disappointed perspective than I had going in. All right, Danilo, time to say adios to Dave the Soldado. And uh, you know, do you want do you want Sicario three? No. <laughs> Does anybody want Sicario three? Sounds like you do. I I don't. I don't. I I. I I really don't. <laughs> All right. Well, where can they find you on the internet, Danilo? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Sicario Day of the Soldado. 
You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. And also head on over to our Patreon page where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content if you choose to support us on there. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.